Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, where we are starting a new series for this new year called Our Father. Our Father, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, I love a new year. Uh, I love the idea of starting over. How many of you are thankful that we can wipe the slate clean? That we can put the past behind us? Put 2018 in your rearview mirror and set your face toward the future? I love the chance that God gives us to press reset. How many of you have ever needed a do-over in life? With the grace of God, we can reset some things. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you have set goals for 2019? Let me see your hands. You've set goals. How many of you need to set some goals for the year? You know, it's interesting. I, I read recently in the Journal of Clinical Psychology, only 45%, less than half of you, set goals for the year. Sometimes we set goals for our physical bodies. How many want to eat a little bit better this year than you did last year? Oh, yeah. How many of you, you enjoyed yourself at the table a little more than you should have in 2018? That's all right. We have a 21-day fast just in time. Do you get hungry when you think about fasting? Listen, I just want you to know, as your pastor, fasting is a labor of love for me. Spiritual, one of my all-time favorite spiritual gifts is food. I love to eat, and we're going to take the next three weeks, and we're going to sacrifice some things. Now, we're not just giving up a meal, because if you skip a meal, that's called a diet. But a fast is when you say no to some food so you can say yes to the food of heaven. And so we're going to lean in this year as we pray and seek God. But setting goals, sometimes we set physical goals. Sometimes we set some financial goals. Some of you are students, and you're determining to make better grades this semester than you did last semester. Sometimes we have family goals, relational goals. Let me ask you this. Instead of chasing a bunch of goals, now think about this. That, that study that I read, less than half, 45% of all Americans set goals for the new year. And studies say that only 8% of those who set goals actually succeed. And I wonder if maybe we're, we're cautious in setting goals for a new year because we're afraid we won't fulfill those commitments that we're making. Let me ask you this. What if instead of chasing a bunch of things this year and not accomplishing anything, what if we just focused on one thing? Somebody say one thing. How many of you do better when it's simplified? Yeah, it's not 40 things that I'm trying to figure out, but one thing I focus on. What if this year, as a church, we set our focus on seeking God and learning how to pray? You know, the disciples said, and if you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. If you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would you ask him for? One thing. Remember the time when Jesus caught the fish and he told Peter, now there's something in that fish's mouth. You take that coin and you go pay the temple tax. 
How many would love for Jesus to teach you how to do that thing? Every time you go fishing, there's money in that fish's mouth. Come on, hum at me. Mm. Got to pay the light bill. Honey, I'm going fishing. That would be cool. Lord, teach me how to do that. Or remember the time when Jesus took that little boy's sack lunch. He had two fish and five loaves of bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he fed 5,000 people. How many thinks that would be pretty cool? Lord, teach me how to turn that six-count chicken nugget meal into a 12-count with supersized fries and a large sweet tea. Holla. Hey, I wish that Chick-fil-A would have a combo meal called the Amen. That way I could walk up to the counter and say, hey, can I get an amen? Remember when Jesus would calm a storm? I mean, he would take a terrible storm and he would speak peace to it. How many of you would love to be able to control the weather? Lord, teach me how to do that thing. Or remember when, when he, he was at that wedding and he turned the water into wine? Yeah, I had some college roommates who would love to know how to do that. But if you could ask the Lord to teach you one thing, what would it be? The disciples recognized something different about Jesus. There was something when Jesus would, he would draw away from the crowds and he would hide himself with God. He came back with such power. And they noticed that about Jesus, so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I wonder if as a church, we really embraced the principle and the power of prayer, how that would translate into transformation in our lives. I wonder if you really begin to tap into the power of prayer, what would that mean for your family, for your children, for your finances, for your relationships, or for your future? You know, sometimes I think, you know, when we think about ideas like that center around prayer, sometimes we may feel guilty that we don't pray enough. Or we may feel frustrated that we don't, we don't really know the mechanics or the tools uh, how to pray. Or maybe we're intimidated. You know, growing up in church, they would make us pray out loud. How many of you know that can be intimidating? Man, they would make us hold hands with perfect strangers. How many get creeped out by that? Oh, yeah, you would not only have to pray out loud, but you'd have to pray out loud while you're holding hands with somebody you barely know. And we would go around the circle, and, and each one would take an opportunity to say things to God. And so, man, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I got all these good thoughts and phrases and these words that I'm going to use. And so, you know, when one person would pray, when they were done, they would squeeze the hand of another person. By the time it's going around the circle, every good thing had already been said. And when it gets to me, I just squeeze the hand of the next person and send that thing on around. <laughs> you know, we want to help you this year. And we're doing this across all of our campuses. When you came in today, you've got this prayer guide. I want to draw your attention to that just for a moment. If you did not get a prayer guide, would you hold up your hand? I want our ushers to make sure that everybody gets a chance to participate. This is going to be so important because it outlines our study for the month of January. And inside this prayer guide, you'll see a prayer request card. And I want you to just set that to the side because at the end of our time together, this is going to be the way that we respond to God today. But in this prayer guide, you'll notice that each one of the installments for the month of January is listed here. And on the 
back, you've got some helpful tips. In fact, uh, you know, earlier you were told about the devotional that's being written so you can each day track along with what God is saying to us as a church. I, I want to encourage you to hold on to this for the month of January. And for 21 days, we're going to start this process together of seeking the Lord. I, everybody got a prayer guide? Okay, everybody's got this prayer request card. Hold on to that. Turn with me, please, in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5, okay? This is our Father, the Lord's prayer. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. Jesus said, when you pray, somebody say when. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. How many of you don't want to be a hypocrite? Saying one thing but doing another, pretending to be something that you're not. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Hmm. They're praying to be seen. Truly, I say to you, they've already received their reward. Look at verse 6. And when you pray, somebody say when. When you pray, go into your room. Shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Look at verse 7. And when you pray, somebody say when. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Can I have a good amen? Now, this is kind of the runway leading up to the Lord's Prayer, but I wanted you to see how in three verses, three consecutive times, Jesus says, not if, but when. When you pray. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, the practice of prayer. Everybody say practice. The practice of of prayer. In other words, God wants us to have a habit of seeking him. Now, you know, habits can work for you or they can work against you. Can I have a good amen? There are some habits that we're trying to leave in our past. There are some things that we're seeking God for this year. We're saying, Lord, I want to break that habit out of my life. I know that's toxic. I know that's not good for me. But then there are other practices that we're wanting to embrace, practices that will build our faith, that will, will encourage us in our relationship with God, and that will bring strength to us. Good habits, like brushing your teeth. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? Some of you had to think before you raised your hand on that. Turn your name and say, you need a mint. <laughs> yeah, d d d when you wake up in the morning, you don't even have to think about it, do you? You get out of bed, you roll over, you better, you better roll over to the bathroom, get some toothpaste and put it on that toothbrush. And man, you, you do it without even thinking because you have built a habit in your life. The other day I was at the gym and it was interesting how many people I saw in the gym that I've never seen before. A lot of new faces in the gym these days. One of the guys made the comment to me. He said, hey, Mike, look, just relax. Give us till about end of February, 1st of March. We'll have our gym back again. <laughs> now, you know what? It's important to, to, you know, to start things, but it's even more important to continue what you've started. And what we're talking about here, Jesus set the expectation. As believers, we're going to talk to God. 
It's a, it's a part of our learning. It's a part of our growing. One of the reasons why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January, 21, think about it, 21 consecutive days. It sounds like to me that if we commit to doing something 21 days in a row, that we'll build a habit. You see what I'm saying? You, you start to have some godly momentum in your life. Now, it may take a decision. I'm going to tell you this. Emotions don't keep commitments. Can I have a better amen? A lot of times people start things in emotions. Emotions don't keep commitments. Decisions do. And some of us are making a decision. This year is going to be different than last year. Come on, are you with me? You've already made up your mind. I'm not just going to start things in feelings, but I'm going to finish things in commitment. 21 days, it's building a habit. Do you know that studies show that in times of crisis, people revert to habits. When you're in a crisis, you do what your go-to is, whatever that repetition, that habit has become. I'm going to tell you this. This year, we don't have to revert to panic. We can commit to prayer. Not 21 days of panic. Can I have a good amen? It's called 21 days of prayer. Jesus said, when you Pray. Now, I want to give you three parameters to this practice of prayer. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. He says, when you pray, keep it real. Somebody say authentic. Keep it real. I'm going to tell you, there's an element of prayer that is raw and messy. You don't have to be polished. Are you with me? Sometimes we think we have to have the right words or the right phrases, or if we can just frame it this way, that God will be impressed. (laughs) Can I tell you, there's never been a moment when I've been praying and God up in heaven said, wait, 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 wait. Wow. (laughs) Pastor Mike. How many know God doesn't call me Pastor Mike? (laughs) Pastor Mike, can you say that again? Because that was impressive. I need to write that down. How many know we never impress God? And so if our attempt in prayer is to have all of this polish and all of these phrases, and no, no, God's saying, keep it real. How many know life can be broken, confusing, disappointing, and messy? And God wants us to pray from that place. Bring it all to him. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be pretenders who like to impress others. This is about you connecting with God. Are you with me today? Are you into this? Can you inform your face that you're into this? Turn to your neighbor and say, keep it real. The practice of prayer, God wants us to be authentic. But then he says, go to your room. What's he saying? Audience of one. Audience of one. Go to your room. Why is it important to hide yourself with God? You know what? Here's the privilege that we have in prayer. We can take everything that's happening to us, everything that's happening around us, and all the stuff inside of us, and we can lay it at the feet of Jesus. He says, do it in secret. This is not to impress anybody. This is you and the Lord. Find the secret place. You know, as a kid growing up, two of my favorite games, hide and seek. How many remember playing hide and seek back in the day? Hide and seek and show and tell. We got too many people today that are interested in show and tell. 
and not enough that are committed to hide and seek. Come on, are you with me? You see, if we will hide and seek, then God will help us show and tell. He says, what you do in secret, then I will reward openly. So we keep it real, authenticity. It's an audience of one. We do it unto Jesus. And then look at what he says. He says, don't use many words and empty phrases. Number three, the, the third thought underneath that is avoid performance. Avoid performance. You know, an important element in prayer, an important element in prayer, not only is it us talking to God, but it's God who talks to us. Do you know what? You cannot do all the talking when it comes to prayer. Now, what you say is important. What you say to God is very important. But what he says to you is even more important. And that's why I would make it a practice when I pray to keep this book close by. How does God speak? Well, God speaks just like he writes. How many of you, you need to hear from the Lord this year? You need wisdom as it relates to your job. How many of you, as you're making decisions, you need to hear, man, this, this is what God wants me to do for my next step. If you need God's information into your situation, it comes right here in this book. What we say to God is important, but what he says to us is even more important. You know, I recently heard a story of a, a pastor and his family. They got a brand new little kitten. That was the Christmas gift. The kids wanted a pet, and so they got a brand new little kitten. They were playing with this little kitten in their front yard, and all the kids were so excited and, you know, watching the little kitten do his thing. And all of y'all know how much I love cats. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, and so the little kitten ran up the tree and got stuck in between two sharp branches. And so the kids were in distress. They're like, Daddy, what are we going to do? We've got to rescue the little kitten. And so here comes daddy to the rescue. Everybody say, daddy to the rescue. Dads have brilliant ideas, don't they? He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a rope, and I'm going to tie a rope to that tree. And then I'm going to tie the other end off to the bumper of my car. And so daddy ties that rope to the tree and to his car. He gets in the car, and he puts it in drive and slowly begins to move forward, and the branches of that tree begin to bend. And there's little kitten coming closer and closer. The kids are excited. Their brand-new pet is about to be rescued. And all of a sudden, right when that kitten was within reach, the rope snaps. And slingshots that cat into the opposite direction. Furball goes into orbit. End of story. No, I'm cheating too. Two weeks later, everybody say two weeks. Two weeks later, the pastor is making visits to members of his congregation. So he knocks on the door of one of his congregants. And a lady opens the door, invites the pastor in to come have coffee. As soon as he steps into her house, he sees his little kitten. Unmistakable. It was his. The markings, everything. He didn't want to accuse the lady. So he said, that sure is a lovely kitten you have there. How long have you had it? She said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> two weeks ago, everybody say two weeks. Two weeks ago, I was working in my flower beds, pulling weeds. 
My daughter came to me saying, Mama, can we please have a kitten? I said, baby, no, absolutely not. We don't do pets in this house. But she was relentless. She left me no choice. I said, okay, baby, come here right now. Get on your knees in this yard, and we're going to pray. And if the Lord Jesus wants you to have a kitten, he's going to send you a kitten. She said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this, but the heavens opened. And the Lord dropped this little kitten into our laps. Can I tell you this? When you pray, things happen. But when you don't, things don't. Come on, somebody. I pray that you learn the power. Listen to this. When we pray, we have the power of heaven and earth at our disposal. It is right here, and the Lord Jesus wants us to know this. He wants us to get this. You see, the Lord's Prayer, we're fixing verse 9. Verse 9 is the Lord's Prayer. This is not a prescription. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern. It's not just words that we've memorized that we mechanically repeat. It's like the little boy who said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if he hollers, don't let go, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Boy got a little confused. He'd heard some rhymes, some words, tried to piece them together. The Lord's Prayer is so much more than a prescription. It's a pattern. Can I have a good amen? The practice of prayer, he says this, verse 9. When you pray, pray like this, our Father. Somebody say Father. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, the second thing I want you to notice is this. Not only the practice of prayer, I want you to notice the position of prayer. How do we address God? Before we talk about what we need, we honor who he is. Before we give him our list of stuff, and look, we need a lot. In this day and age, with so much coming against us, We have a lot of need. The Bible says Jesus knows what we have need of even before we ask. But before we bring our list of needs to him, we acknowledge who he is. We start every conversation with an understanding of the relationship. Think about it. When you talk to a judge, how do you address the judge? Your honor. When you talk to a a policeman, how do you address him? Officer. When you talk to a physician, how do you address them? Doctor. When you talk to God, how is he to be addressed? Now, this is beautiful, okay? I'm going to tell you, and this is powerful because this is where a lot of people miss it. A.W. Tozer once said this, the most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. Think about that. I want you to consider that. The most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. Question, what are the thoughts that come to your mind when you think about God? Now, if you were to ask 100 people who God is, you may get 100 different answers. Everybody's got a different perspective of who God is. Some people think he's so abstract. He's like some positive force, some karma, some mystery in the universe. He he can't be known, and he likes it that way. Some people think of God as like Google Maps. Hey, God, where's the nearest Waffle House? 
scattered, smothered, covered, chunked, diced, and topped. Okay, Lord, thank you. I got it from here. Some people think of God as like some grandpa, some old, nice, gentle. He's kind of out of touch, hard of hearing, has a couple hearing aids, not really dialed into our world, but that's their grandpa version of God. Some people think God is a scorekeeper, that he's he's constantly keeping a ledger of everything we've done right and everything we've done wrong. There's this system of credits and debits. Sometimes we show up to church on Sunday to earn a credit to make up for the debit we created Saturday night. (laughs) Who is God? Is he a scorekeeper? Is he grandpa? Is he this Google Maps? Some people think he's a doomsday kind of guy. Hellfire and damnation. That he just can't wait for us to make a mistake and then takes his giant red marker and puts an F on our lives. Some people think he's a stained glass kind of guy. He speaks in King James Version. These and thou's and wherefore art thou's. Shh, the house of God. Stained glass. Who is God? Who, who is, what thoughts come to your mind when you think of God? God's desire for us is to know him primarily as a father. In fact, 189 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father. Think about it. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. So we start the Lord's Prayer. The position of the Lord's Prayer is understanding our relationship to him. I want you to know when you can call God your Father, you have privilege. If God is your Father, you have access that most people don't. You know what's cool? Sometimes I'll be in a meeting in the office, and, I mean, we're taking care of business, discussing things, and, you know, uh, I, I won't even get a knock at the door. The door flies open, and my kids come in. Just come in unannounced. I mean, just make themselves at home. It's like, okay, wait, wait a second. We kind of have a meeting going on here. No, no, no. They come in to see Dad. And when they come in, when my kids come in, okay, we're going to press pause on everything. My kids are here. Hey, how was your day at school? What's going on? What's up? Guess what? They know they have access because there's a bloodline that connects them. My sons, my daughters, my children, God looks down from heaven and he says, listen, if you call me father, you have access in a way that the world doesn't. You don't have to beg God to get his attention. You don't have, it's not like an act of Congress where there's not some political maneuver that you have to, 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 to make to gain an audience with the Lord. When his sons or when his daughters call out to him, he says, wait a second, now I am a father and I'm here to care for my kids. You know, back in the fall when, when LSU uh, played that team from <sighs> Tuscaloosa, when we... Uh, That was a big game. And so, man, Trevor's like, Dad, we got to go to the game. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do my best to get some tickets. Well, I had a friend of mine say, hey, Mike, look, I know your son loves LSU football. I've got some sideline passes. Would you, yeah, come on, favor somebody. Favor, Lord. Would you be interested in these sideline passes? I said, let me pray about it. Uh, Yes, yes, I would. 
get these sideline passes. You got to show up early, and kind of here's the area on the sidelines where you, you and your son can be. And so, so we get there, and Trevor is just pumped. I mean, we're decked out purple and gold. It's a big game. Got our tickets. Got our sideline passes. Get to Tiger Stadium, and I don't really know how to get to where I'm going. So I walk in. I'm asking people questions. There's all these security people here, and they go this way, go that way. It's like, oh, okay. Finally, I see somebody that I know, somebody that knows me. He said, Pastor Mike, where are you trying to get to? I said, man, I'm trying to get here. He says, follow me. I was like, hey, all you security folk, God bless you, but I'm with him. He walks me through like the, the, the back entrance. I mean, I'm like where the SEC officials are, man, walking through that office. Oh, there's a locker room. What's up, fellas? All right, going to have a good game. Pow, 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 yeah. Walk through the tunnel, hit the wind bar. What, what, what? And there we were on the sideline as the team comes running out of the tunnel. I thought, you know what? That's access. You see, relationship will give you access. And guess who you have an audience with? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But you and I, we don't just call him King. We call him Dad. We call him Father. Look at what the Scripture says here. I love this verse in Galatians 4. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own what? Children, that means sons and daughters. Look at verse 6. And because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out what? Abba, Father. Dad, Father. The God of the universe would embrace us as children. Verse 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. You know the cool thing? One translation says this. You're no longer slaves, but you're sons and daughters. And because you're his children, everything God has belongs to you. Think about that. Dads, how many dads do we have in the house? Everything that you have, it's not just yours. It's your kids. So if they have a need, if, they, if there are any dads out there and your kids come to you and say, Dad, I'm hungry, what are you going to tell them? Go get your mama. <laughs> Maybe she'll make you a sandwich. <laughs> it's not like he's placing an order at a restaurant. No, no, you're saying, look, help yourself to the refrigerator. Help your, dig in that pantry. Why? Because everything I have, it belongs to you. Now, let me ask you this. What do you need this year? What do you need? God has it. I don't know what you need. Maybe it's strength, but your daddy has that. Maybe it's patience. <laughs> your daddy's got a lot of that. Maybe it's resource. I'm telling you, you have a dad who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no lack with your father. Everything that you need, he can supply. And so you and I have the privilege of saying, our father, can I have a good amen? That's how we identify him. It implies relationship. The practice of prayer, the position of prayer. Now, let me finish by giving you this. The passion of prayer. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed. What does that word hallowed mean? When was the last time you used the word hallowed? Hello? We don't use it, do we? Not hollow, which means empty, 
but hallowed, which means this. It means to recognize and adore something of ultimate value, to hold at the very center of your world. What's at the center of our world? It's the very name of God. Lord, in 2019, I want you to be the center. You're the very focal point of my life, my passion, my pursuit. God, it all centers around you. I mean, this, this prayer, word by word, phrase by phrase, is just chock full of kingdom potential. And this year as a church, we're going to learn not just the practice, not just the position, but we're going to learn the passion of praying and seeking God. Think about the change that this could create for you this year. If you learned how to pray, it's a game changer. I mean, nothing the devil throws at you can stop what God is doing in you. I'll go so far as to say this. This year in 2019, if you make the greatest investment into the presence of God, you'll have the greatest year you've ever experienced. Now, let me be quick to say, it doesn't mean you won't have trouble. doesn't mean you won't have tragedy. doesn't mean you won't struggle through some things. But if you make the greatest investment into God's presence this year, you will look back and have no regrets because you'll have the greatest year you've ever experienced. Do you believe that? You know, when we came, we, we spent a few days with my mom who lives in Atlanta over the holidays. And met my sister there. My younger sister lives outside of Nashville. She and her husband came. They don't have any kids, but they have dogs. And so they brought their dogs with them. They have bloodhounds. Okay, yeah. They got one bloodhound that's a year old. Her name's Lady Mary, for all you Downton Abbey people. Lady Mary. And she's a year old, and she's, I mean, if you brought a saddle, you could ride her like a little pony. Okay, it's, it's, she's huge, all right? A lot of drool, whole lot of drool happening. I mean, it's slobber fest. It was amazing. Trevor was loving life, loving it. La- Lady Mary and Lady Rose. And Lady Rose is only eight weeks. She could barely open her eyes. But these bloodhounds, they were telling us about the bloodhounds. I don't know a whole lot about the kind of where they came from or, or what their deal is. But they, they told me, said, Mike, a bloodhound has a sense of smell that is 300,000 times greater than the human scent. The, the, your ability to smell. How many of you, you have a hard time smelling anyway? Yeah, I, I, I can barely smell stuff around me. So I rage to be like, baby, have you, have you showered yet? Yeah, I think I'm okay. No, you're not okay. <laughs> 300,000 times greater, those bloodhounds have a sense of smell than the human scent. And one afternoon, Lady Mary jumped up on the couch. I mean, she was just digging, clawing. I mean, pulled the cushions off that couch. She was after something. We were like, whoa, what is this? Well, finally, the bottom of the couch, she dug out a rawhide bone. She could smell it, couldn't see it, but she knew it was there. And I thought, Lord, this year, would you give me a greater awareness of your presence? Even when I can't see you, God, I know you're here. You're here. You are are with me. And if I turn my heart and my thoughts and my focus toward you, I will have a greater sensitivity of your presence around me. 
I'll be connected and dialed into the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And with your help, nothing can stop me this year. My, my challenge for you and for us as a church is this year, we would focus on one thing. Focus on one thing. Learning the power of prayer. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.